Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and the resurgence of COVID-19 across parts of greater China have raised fresh worries about the world's second largest economy. And while Hong Kong begins to ease restrictions today, main hubs like Shanghai remain constrained by ongoing lockdowns and restrictions that have muddled the market outlook on top of rising factory gate prices, regulatory crackdowns, and woes from the property sector. Today on Money FM 89.3, you are pleased to be joined once again by Mr. Brock Silvers, who's the CIO for Cayenne Capital. He joins us all the way from Hong Kong to give us his perspective on how this is uh, shaping his outlook for Chinese markets. Brock, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to hear you are in good health and safe during these times alongside your family. And welcome to the show, sir. I hope that the easing restrictions in Hong Kong are a welcome sight after weeks of being uh, hamstrung in that city. Any relaxation is welcome, and always good to be back with you again. All right. So, Brock, um, you know, this, these uh, lockdowns that we're seeing across parts of greater China, you know, there were already concerns about a Chinese economic slowdown this year, but the recent lockdowns in Shanghai, Shenzhen, and Hong Kong um, seem to have made things even worse somewhat. This may still show up in the two, two, second quarter GDP release coming in July, but tell us if this has had an even more drag on uncertainty to your outlook for markets, whether they be on the mainland or in Hong Kong. You know, it absolutely has. It's unavoidable. The the first quarter is really January, February, March, and only in March did the lockdowns start to bite. So Mm -hmm. it's just unrealistic to expect a continuation of the first quarter's, you know, at least moderately good news, let alone an improvement. I think there's a reasonable chance we'll even see some contraction in quarter two. But here's the thing. You know, we, we shouldn't overreact to temporary situations. And although the next quarter's data, um, I'm not very optimistic, you really have to try and come to a view on on what the overall economy looks like going forward. Mm-hmm. Now, it has been highlighted this could impact a number of key uh, sectors out in mainland China. Manufacturing PMI figures have started to soften. Consumer retail sales also coming down significantly. And there also talk about the property sector being uh, having a new problem with regards to meeting or perhaps creating much-needed sales to make sure they can generate cash and meet some of these woeful debt piles that I might get into later on. Um, you know, I would like to ask you, Brock, in terms of sectors, which, one do you th- which ones do you think might be facing the biggest risks from these pervasive lockdowns and these slowdown concerns? You know, it, it's a bit hard to, to pick one. Look, there are risks everywhere in the, uh, in the economy right now. But, but manufacturing, I think, is a bit more easily influenced by government policy, and we'll see some, some stimulus measures there go into effect. And the same probably goes for real estate, where I think we'll see a, a continued relaxation of the three red lines and a a, a, a bit more uh, promotion of um, of some open financing channels that will help a bit. But you know, the consumer sector seems most at risk, and I think there where we may just be unlikely to see a quick recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, again, and once again, when we talk about a slowdown in mainland China and Greater China, that is, um, there is a lot of uh, talk about potential stimulus measures to support the economy. We did see that uh, the PBOC cut the triple R. Uh, number or the reserve requirement ratio last week, I'll be modestly. But again, any hopes of any relaxation of stimulus or lowering or easing of these uh, of these key policy rates seems to have not yet materialized, despite Beijing saying that they want to provide some stimulus. But I think the bigger question here, Brock, and maybe I'd love to get your thoughts on this, is has the outlook for the Chinese economy and markets in connection also become more dependent now on potential stimulus from China? And is that actually a bad thing? 
Well, the market is certainly looking for greater stimulus response than we've seen so far. But we also have to give a bit of credit to Beijing um, where it's due just for taking action where it can. You know, it's generally a quicker response from China than the corresponding action would be in a place like the U.S. where the the process is simply a bit more chaotic. Um, but, But you are right, I think. A lot of the current problems we're looking at now seem to be increasingly structural and maybe increasingly immune to the stimulus measures we're, uh, we're hoping to see. You know, for example, we can lower rates all we want, but the old real estate development model of economic growth, you know, that just appears to be over. I think we've turned the page on that. Now, I'd also say for the first time in my professional experience, we're starting to see real outflows of foreign capital investment from China. Um, that's a serious issue, and these just aren't things that, that can be resolved by stimulus measures alone. Mm-hmm. In fact, when you looked at the recent GDP figures, and I just want to go into this also, we noticed that uh, industrial production, fixed asset investment, once again, were rising, but retail sales did fall in the month of March. And it was highlighted before the pandemic that the economy wanted to restructure themselves from being dependent on industrial production, manufacturing, and more towards domestic consumption and internal factors. Do you think that there was, we're starting to see a reversal uh, back to the old ways or the old uh, playbook of China right now, Brock? And could this actually... Um, is is this going to be effective, at least, in helping sustain economic stimulus and perhaps the outlook for markets as well? Well, China has been talking for a very long time about increasing the role of the consumer economy. Um, and it hasn't really played out as, as strongly or quickly as anyone would have hoped. And I think now that there is a need to, uh, a need to address, a more urgent need to address economic issues, they are sort of reverting to the old playbook. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I, I just think we're, we're going to see, at best, um, decreasing marginal returns on that effort. Okay. We're speaking to Brock Silvers, the CIO of Cayenne Capital here on Money FM 89.3, and we're taking stock of the outlook for China's economy and markets across greater China and Hong Kong. Um, Brock, I'd like to shift our attention now towards regulatory issues facing some of the tech firms and this uh, ever-present concern and a a wellspring of questions, a source of questions, that is, from investors. It's gotten a bit confusing. Now, weeks ago, we heard from Vice Premier Liu He, who, when he urged regulators to wrap up their crackdown on Internet companies. And now we're getting word of a new review for live streaming sites that spooked tech stocks yet again, and also signs that perhaps the crackdown is not actually letting up. Um, As an investor, Brock, how difficult has it been now for 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 you to get a firm read on these regulatory issues and how it's and and whether or not you can get a definitive um, uh, uh, stance at least on tech shares in China. You know, look, Bloomberg wrote recently that China only appears uninvestable to those who don't do their homework on regulatory issues. Mm-hmm. I take a completely different view. Um, I think it's increasingly difficult to rationalize investment where there isn't a stable system. And what we're seeing with the regulatory crackdowns and potential easing up and then reversion to crackdowns, it, it, it just creates a great instability. And there are there's an endless list of examples. You know, this week we have rumor, rumors targeting live streaming. Um, mm-hmm. Earlier, companies like Tencent had to, quote, unquote, donate uh, huge sums, billions of dollars, to keep themselves out of regulatory crosshairs. Um, Amid a slowing economy, regulators one day dictated major changes to delivery models, which crushed Maycon. And the shameful earlier DD IPO basically just ran off with investor capital. 
you know, none of this reflects a, a well-functioning, stable system. And increasingly, global investors are just questioning the viability of that system. Right. In fact, when you look at technology, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the, um, my simple take on technology is that it should be about the technology, the innovation that these companies are pushing and the markets that they might create. But this time around, it seems that uh, Chinese tech, when you look at Chinese tech, it's really more about what landscape the regulatory uh, pressures are creating rather than the technology itself. Am I off on that? And is that, is that something that should cause concern? You're precisely right on that. And as an investor, um, you know, I, I like to say I'm an investment guy, not a not a government analyst. Um, mm-hmm. So investors want to invest in companies and products and markets. Um, and the more F, the more that's dependent upon shifting regulatory sands, um, the more difficult it is for us to get a handle on whether or not those, you know, the the potential of those investments. All right. So, now, Brock, when you look at these tech firms, uh, there's regulatory pressures from Beijing, but there's also regulatory pressures from the U.S. Now, on the other hand, there is that hope that the delisting pressures from the U.S. SEC will ease after regulators in China claim they've made a lot of F, a lot of progress in letting U.S. auditors and maybe even investors review the audit reports on Chinese firms. But you, as a veteran investor in China, does this pro- provide any room of, or a sigh of relief for that particular regulatory overhang at all? Well, we have had some nice reports recently, but, mm-hmm. but look, that's all they are at this point, are sort of nice, accommodating words from the Chinese side. My view is that any company listing on any exchange, whether it's a U.S. company listing on a Chinese exchange or a Chinese company listing on a U.S. exchange, those companies have to follow the laws and regulations pertaining to that exchange, and, and that should be without exception. Now, Will China follow through on this idea that uh, that U.S. will have sort of enhanced audit rights in line with everyone else who lists on U.S. exchanges? We don't know yet. What it probably comes down to is whether or not the U.S. is really looking to, to drive home to a resolution of this issue or if it will settle for a fig leaf. And that's a question, and we'll know soon enough. Mm-hmm. Um, Brock, I'd like to shift our attention now to um, inflationary pressures. And I, heard, I got an interesting take from an economist earlier this week about the big difference between producer and f- uh, consumer price pressures in China. Of course, PPI rising more than 8%, but CPI only up by about 1%. What he said was that firms in China are not able to pass on rising input costs as easily as, say, other markets. Now, this has me wondering, though, if Chinese businesses are facing margin pressures and erosion that could show up in quarterly results if the divergence persists. Uh, what are you seeing whenever you take stock of Chinese firms and their report cards and whether or not these inflation pressures are something we have to be very concerned about that could show up in China, or are we just losing sleep over nothing? Well, it's unquestionable that Chinese producers are seeing higher inflation right now than Chinese consumers. Now, that isn't... Uh that can't go on forever. Some of it is a timing issue, and it will inevitably show up in the numbers, and some of it may be political, but nonetheless, it will inevitably show up in the numbers. Now, inflation doesn't seem to be going anywhere. It was not, despite anything that the Biden administration may have said, it was not transitory. Um, Mm -hmm. So companies will increasingly either have to raise prices or suffer margin erosion. That's going to be widespread. Now, It's coming. It's in China, but it's not just in China. It's in the U.S. It's probably throughout the developed world. But for markets here, all all we can say right now is denial is not a strategy. This will eventually show through into the results and numbers. 
Mm-hmm. So something definitely to watch out for, I guess, when it comes to uh, certain sectors and companies out in China. Now, Brock, we've uh, covered a yes. lot of ground, actually, in this interview. But I do want to end by asking you about the latest regarding China Evergrande. I want to get your thoughts on this because it's been a few weeks since the developer had to delay the release of annual statements because they discovered over $2 billion U.S. dollars in deposits that can be seized by banks. They were scratching their heads and didn't really lend a lot of confidence to investors. Tell me, as somebody who's been watching Chinese markets for so long, how unusual is this for a developer of their size to have this type of a lapse? And how is this informing you about the woes facing the property sector in China right now? You know, it's incredibly unusual. What happened at Evergrande with this confiscated deposit issue was just unconscionable. And in my view, there's zero chance that Evergrande didn't have advance warning that this was happening. Um, That's just not generally how Chinese regulators work. Now, The company conceded this reality only at the last possible minute before silence was no longer tenable. Um, And the resulting claim that Evergrande would assemble a quote-unquote committee of experts to investigate this, I mean, that's just, it's laughable. Um, In my view, this issue alone should have been sufficient for regulators to, uh, to step in, take control, and replace management. What I would say going forward, and that obviously didn't completely happen, what I'd say going forward is that how Beijing manages this crisis, and especially dollar bond investors, is going to reveal a great deal about China's basic investability and the future viability, particularly of the dollar bond market. And when you look at markets at the moment there, I mean, I believe Shanghai is down about 13% since the start of the year. I think Hong Kong down 10.5%. Brock, I'd like to give you room to at least make some final comments on the outlook, at least for Chinese markets. Look, the, the sun will shine again at some point. Um, but unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be quick. And I think that the remaining, you know, two or three quarters of this year are likely to be quite cloudy for, for Chinese markets. There just isn't a lot of good news on the horizon. And the longer this zero COVID uh, drive keeps going, uh, the, the farther off that sunshine will be. Brock Silvers, CIO for Cayenne Capital. Thank you so much for joining us today on Money FM 89.3. As always, I wish you and your loved ones continued health and safety during these times. We look forward to the next time you can join us at the show. Meanwhile, do stay safe, sir. And I hope you enjoy the easing of restrictions in Hong Kong today. Good. Thank you. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.